So we have been talking about the church lately. Um, I'm not sure how much longer this, this series will go. My guess is that we'll probably go one more week and then we'll take a break, do something else, and we will come back to the book of Acts where we're looking at the early church. Been talking about, uh, in this series we called it ACT, and it's, it's just kind of what the modern church has been missing with the modern church, uh, some gaps, some holes that, that I just have seen over time, some things that we need to be aware of. We need to be aware of them so we make sure that we don't fall prone to the same issues that we have seen time and time again, especially in the American culture, in the American church. One of the things that I have seen that drives me nuts, and you have heard this before, is 10% of the people doing 90% of the work. Uh-oh, everybody got quiet. <laughs> 10% of the people doing 90% of the work in the church. You've heard that, right? You're like, well, can't we just hire somebody? Can't we just pay somebody a salary so that they'll do the work so I don't have to worry about it? See, the problem is, and I hate to jump into this so quickly, but my heart is just beating out of my chest because I have to say this. The problem is we live in a culture where we get bored too easy. If we're not excited, if we don't have some fireworks, like on New Year's Eve, then, then we say, well, I don't really want to do that anymore because it's not exciting anymore. I enjoyed it when it was new and fresh and it was exciting, but now that we're talking about service for the name of Jesus Christ, it's not so exciting anymore. I, I, I did it for six weeks, for eight weeks, for two years, and now eh, it's kind of worn on me. I'm not really excited about it anymore. I don't know if I really want to do that anymore. It was, it was fun at the beginning, Kenny, but, but now it's just kind of worn on me. It's kind of gotten old, and I don't know if I'm in on that anymore. And what if I said that? You know, it was exciting for the first two years of Simple Church, and I know that we were serving in the name of Christ, and it was great, but you know what? Things have kind of faded, and I go, eh, I think I'm out on that. It's, it's not really exciting anymore. We've been there, done that, gotten the T-shirt. I don't know if I'm really in on that anymore. What would you guys say about me? You say, what's wrong with your heart, Kenny? You're supposed to be a Christ follower. You're supposed to be fully committed and fully in to doing what God has called you to do. What is wrong with you? That's what you would say, right? What's wrong with your heart, Kenny? Why are you falling short? Why are you quitting? Why are you giving up? You're supposed to be in for the long haul. What are you doing, man? And what do we see in the church? What do we see? Man, I liked it when it was new and it was exciting and it was fresh and people hadn't heard about Simple Church before. Man, I, 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 let me tell you something right now. We have a gap. We have a hole. And that is in our children's ministry. You've heard me mention this many times before. And, and when we first started, we would be beating people away with a stick. Uh, we've got too many people back here. You've got to go somewhere else. You, 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 we just got too, we got more adults back here than we do kids, you know? And we developed this online system where you can, you can volunteer, you can si sign up online to, to go and volunteer in the kids' department. And, man, it was just full week after week after week, and I was just so excited. I said, I said these are people that when they put that piece of paper down at the altar, said, I want to be a partner with you guys in the name of Christ to do whatever it takes to get this gospel out, even if that means changing dirty diapers. These are people that are in. These people are signing up, and they're, they're on board. 
And now, we're on our hands and knees on Saturday nights, praying, God, please, please send somebody that will care enough that will, they'll look and see if somebody signed up. They'll, they'll look and see, is, is, is there a gap there? And they'll, they'll put their name down. Look, I know computers are hard. I know they're real hard to learn. But you got to sign on, y'all. It's the best way and the easiest way for us to organize who's volunteering back there. So we ask you to do that. And you say, well, I don't know how to get there. Well, go on our website. Go on our Facebook page. There's tons of links to it. And you can see exactly how to sign up. It ain't hard. It ain't hard. It, it, it breaks my heart. It really does. To see people like, man, I am in with Simple Church. Let me, let me fill out a piece of paper. So I am a partner with you guys for the name of Jesus Christ. And I'll do whatever it takes. And then on Saturday nights, I'm looking, and it's like empty. People that have signed up to volunteer in the kids' department. And we're just a product of our environment. It's just the way that it is in every other church in America. So what they have to do is they have to hire somebody to take over the kids' ministry is what they have to do. Well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. If we don't have somebody to volunteer back there to help in the kids' ministry... Then we'll say, I'm sorry, you have to bring your kids out into service. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. I've made up my mind that that's the approach I think we should take. You see, I don't think that we should just hire somebody to fill in every gap that we have. One of the things I am most proud about this church is the fact that every single person that we have hired on staff, and we only have three of them, Every single person that we have on staff here at Simple Church, which, by the way, I'm not. I am a volunteer. I'm simply a volunteer here at Simple Church. But every single person, the requirement is, if you are not willing to work for free, we are not going to have you on staff at our church. If that is not your heartbeat, that you are so passionate about doing what God has called you to do, that you're willing to do it for free, then we don't want to hire you. And that has been the case for every single person that we brought on staff here at Simple Church. And that is the mentality that we're going to continue to have. I believe that the congregation, the people, the believers in Jesus Christ are the people that are supposed to do the work of ministry. No matter what that is. Now listen, I'm not just being negative here. Because we have some people, man, they have stepped up and they will do anything. We got, we got people like Tanya that will go and, and, and Lisa that will go and clean the bathrooms. We got people like Miss Dorothy, Miss Tammy, my mom that, that'll just be out there, do whatever it takes to serve people. And we're not required to have food on Sunday morning. It's not a requirement, but we do that as a time of fellowship. It's, it's something we enjoy doing, so that's what we do. We got, we got Kayla that, that comes up here and she leads the band in worship and she's constantly trying to recruit people and get people to come and be a part of the band and, and, and worship band and, and be a part of what we're doing up here. Joey that runs sound for us and he gets people to fill in with him if he can't be here because of work and stuff. We got Brett and, and Joe back there working in our sound booth. I mean, we've got people that are willing to come and do whatever. If I call my dad and say, Dad, I need you to visit a hospital because we got somebody that's, that's in the hospital. He's there. My mom and dad come. I mean, they, nobody told them to. They just decided that the church needs, it needs to be picked up around here and, and they come and during the week they just come and pick up. 
They just come and pick up, clean up, whatever needs to be straightened. That's what they do. I believe that we are supposed to see the need and we're supposed to care about that need and we're supposed to meet that need. As the body of believers, I believe that's what we're supposed to do. And I believe if we look at the early church, that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. So we're going to look today at the organization of the early church and how they kind of did things. And I want us to really take a moment and say, are we doing things that way? Are we doing things that way? So we're going to be in Acts chapter 6 this morning. We're also going to look at, at a problem that they ran into as well in Acts chapter 6, the very beginning. But as Now, I want you to understand something, too, is that, that these guys were being persecuted. The Pharisees were coming and, and putting them in jail and threatening them and all this kind of stuff. And the apostles just go out and start teaching again, you know. They, they'd, they'd be set free from jail and they go out and start teaching again. Now in chapter 6 of Acts, we see this. But the, as the believers rapidly multiplied, so the number of believers now is somewhere in the thousands. It's thousands, if not tens of thousands of people that are actually believers in Jesus Christ at this point. There were rumblings of discontent. You've got to be kidding. Rumblings of discontent in the church? That must be, a, is that a misprint? Rumblings of discontent. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't address problems, because we should. We should. But sometimes, sometimes we have problems, and we have people that just come and just want to tell me about problems. This is what I would like to hear when people come and say, I, I, there's an issue, we need to address it. I would like to hear people say this. Hey, I saw this as a problem. How can I help fix it? I don't get that a lot. I get, hey, we got a problem I don't get a lot of, hey, how can I fix it? How, what can I do to be part of the solution? All they say is, I see a problem, can he go fix it? I get a lot of that. That's, and look, y'all, we are different. Here at Simple Church, I'm not saying that, that I, I believe we get like 1% of what most churches get when it comes to discontentment and grumblings and all that kind of stuff. I am thrilled to death that we are who we are, but... But I, I think that we need to recognize these things and we need to see these things for what they are. And, and I, I've seen this before. Man, there's a problem here. Can you go fix it? We don't need to be like that. We need to be people that say, okay, how can we fix it? Because we're part of this body. We're all part of the same body. So let's, let's get together and do what we can to find a solution. So here we've got some rumblings going on, which, by the way, this is the most destructive thing to the church. Internal rumblings, discontentment, that is the most destructive thing to the church. What we see in the book of Acts in particular, when the church comes under persecution, it strengthens the church. If it doesn't strengthen the church, then it divides the church, sends them out so that they might be strong in other places. So persecution has a different kind of effect. It bonds the believers, it makes them stronger, but discontentment has a tendency to destroy the body of Christ. This is the worst thing that can happen inside of a church. So, if you're a believer and you hear grumblings, you hear discontentment, you hear that going on inside the church, immediately think this is the work of Satan and he's trying to destroy us. And I'm not going to stand idly by and let that happen. That would be my prayers that you would think that immediately. Oh, I didn't like this. I don't like that. Hey. If we've got an issue, 
Let's work to fix it. If there's no solution to it, then, then, uh, then we're going we're gonna to do everything we can to, to get more people in so that we can fix the problem. But what we're not going to do is sit here and have grumblings and discontentment and let that fester and grow. And that's not what we're going to have. I, I had uh, a previous church partner send me a, uh, a Facebook message. And it was nothing more than a big gripe session. It was about two pages long. Uh, and uh, basically, I think it was a threat to leave the church. And uh, so I had to respond to this message. I, I'm not going to just kind of leave it alone and not say anything. But my response was this. I'm not perfect. The church is not perfect. You're not perfect. Let's work to try to fix the issues. They left the church. <laughs> no, Kenny, it's your responsibility to fix it. Fix it, Kenny. You're the pastor. Make it right. Well, let's look at what a pastor's supposed to do. Here's what's going on. The Greek-speaking speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So I want you to understand something real quick. So people would come in for the Passover, and you got some people that are like, they're like really Jews, they're, 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 they're Hebrews, and then you've got the Hellenistic Jews, which have come from places like Greece and different places in Asia Minor, and they're Greek-speaking. So you got these two different sets, okay? Well, now they've come to, to come to the faith in Jesus Christ, so they're all together. And they were used to, uh, in the Hebrew tradition, is, you know, we distribute food and take care of people and all this kind of stuff. And we see that carried over into the new church. All the believers coming and putting their stuff together and say, okay, let's distribute to those who are in need. Well, what happened here is somehow, some way, there begins, begins to be a problem. And the Hellenistic Jews, the Greek-speaking Jews, as is described here, they're saying, hey, look, our widows are not being taken care of like you Hebrews. And we need to address this problem. So... I think the apostles look and they say, okay, yeah, this is a legitimate problem. What are we going to do about it? Let's look at what they do. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God and not running a food program. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God and not running a food program. Now, I am going to be the first person to admit that I have sinned in this area, and there are many things that I get involved in that I should not be involved in. I am working on that, okay? Prayerfully working on that. I have a tendency that when I see a gap, I want to fill that gap. And what I should be doing instead is saying, there's a gap there, somebody else should fill it. Because I need to devote myself to spending time teaching the Word of God. It is the most important thing for me to do. Everything else should fall by the wayside so that I might be able to devote myself to teaching the Word of God. I'm pretty sure if I didn't do that, people would say, Kenny, what's wrong with you? Why are you not doing that? Well, I can't because I'm doing other stuff. And so, brothers, select seven men who are respected and full of spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. 
then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. You know what they say? Figure it out. Go and find some people that can do this work and figure it out. Bring them to us. We'll give you our blessing. Say, yeah, these guys are, 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 are spiritual leaders and they can serve. But they look at the congregation and they go, hey, y'all figure it out. Bring us somebody to take care of this. It's a problem. We acknowledge it's a problem. The apostles are not saying, well, let me go sit down at the distribution table and make sure that it's taken care of. We'll do it ourselves. No, that's not what they said. They said, we have got to devote ourselves to teaching. We've got to devote ourselves to the Word. So we're going to go and, y'all go and find somebody to do it. Notice they didn't say, we're going to go find somebody. They said, y'all go find somebody to do it. Where does the responsibility lie? On the apostles? No. There's a lot more of y'all than there are me. There are a lot more of the church than there are the apostles. So the apostles said, y'all figure it out. Go, go find some people. And, and they say this. They say, um, go find some people that are well-respected and full of the Spirit and have some wisdom. Well, that's good, right? One of the problems we have, um, unfortunately, of finding people who will fill in the gaps and, uh, and work in ministry and serve wholeheartedly is because we, we have difficulty finding them because they don't come to church. It's hard for us to say that person's spirit-filled, that person is fully devoted to serving the name of Jesus Christ when we only have 40 people here on Wednesday nights. We will give them responsibility and we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Pecorus, Mycanor, Timon, Permenius, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So the apostles' responsibility, after they had brought these seven to them to do the work, their responsibility was to pray for them, to ask God to bless their ministry, whatever that was. And that was the extent of what the apostles did in addressing this issue and meeting this need that existed within the church. I don't mean to sound so negative, but it's hard for me not to when I see gaps and I see places where people just absolutely will not, cannot, refuse to give in and, and serve the way they should because it's not exciting anymore. I love this congregation and I love the way that you guys serve. But I feel like sometimes if it's not a brand new project like Children's Hospital, then we just won't give anymore. If it's a project that we've been doing year after year, like Operation Christmas Child, that we, because it's not as exciting, we just say, you know what, that's old news. Can you bring something new to the table? 
And I go, but the need is still there. The need is still unmet. Let's continue to meet that need. But if it's not exciting, if it's not new, if it's not fresh, then people get tired of it and they say, ah, enough's enough. I think I've done that before. And that is a carryover from the American culture and bringing it straight into the church and saying, ah, old stuff. It gets old after a while. I want you to know that those people will come into Simple Church and they will come and stay for a little while and they will leave. Because we will not always be new and we will not always be fresh and we will not always be exciting. But we will always have this word and there will always be a need and we will always do every single thing that we can to meet the needs of the people and do everything we can to serve in the name of Jesus Christ. We will forever reach, teach, and serve in this church. And though that may not be a new concept, though that may not sound fresh to your ears because we say it all the time, we're still going to do that. And people that are not on board with that should not sign that piece of paper saying, I want to partner with Simple Church. I would rather have 12 people sign that piece of paper that really want to serve in the name of Christ than 400 that say, I'll sign a piece of paper. We're going to be having that. I don't know what you'd call it. I guess uh, we called it a partnership drive before. I don't think it's a drive. It's more of an opportunity for you to commit to serving the Lord. We're going to have that going on in the month of January, so very soon we'll be having that. I want you to think carefully about it. I want you to actually read the words on the paper before you put your name down. I want you to pray to God and ask God that he'll convict you if you aren't doing what it says on that paper. That God will make you sick, that he will bring you to the very brink of death if necessary, so that you'll be so convicted that you want to do what God has called you to do. Pray that prayer before you sign the paper. Pray the prayer that God, if you will keep me awake at night and prevent me from sleeping unless I do what I'm signing my name to do because I'm making a commitment to you, not a commitment to Simple Church. I am making a commitment to you. Pray that prayer that God will keep you awake at night and make you nauseous and unable to sleep unless you do what you're committed to saying you're going to do on that piece of paper. As a result, this is what happened. So they get seven guys together. So God's message continued to spread. I think the reason it says so there is an indication that as you read the first part of what has happened here, we see at the beginning of chapter 6 it says, but as the believers rapidly multiply, now we see so God's message continued to spread. I believe that the indication here is there was a problem. They addressed the problem as a body of believers. And therefore, the gospel was able to continue to go out. You see, the reason it's so destructive to have grumblings and to have discord within the congregation is because you become so inwardly focused. You're so worried about what's going on in here that you don't take the message out there. That's the reason it's so destructive, because we become inwardly focused, and all we're worried about is what we're doing in here. Instead of taking the gospel message to other people, we go, you know what? The stuff we got going on in here, who cares about this or who cares about that? We'll address that on the side, but what matters is what's going on out there. And we need to take this message out there because those people need it. It is not about what happens in here, but it's about what we take from here out there. That is what matters most. 
I'll do whatever it takes to make sure that this runs smoothly so that that out there can go into the world and we can change the world of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you see that mentality much in the American church? Do you, do you see that way of thinking much? Or is it more about come in here, make me happy, make sure every single thing is perfect so that I feel good and then I'll go out there and maybe every once in a while I invite somebody to church. Hmm. I think I know what I see more of in Calhoun County, in Oxford, Alabama, in Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, Tennessee, Bible Belt, the United States. I think I know what I see more of, don't you? Don't you think we need to be more self-aware? Don't you think that we need to know what's going on so we can wage war against that mentality? So the gospel? So the gospel can continue to go out? So God's message continued to spread. And the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. And many of the Jew Jewish priests were converted too. It didn't just affect the average person. It went on to affect the priests. Jewish priests were being converted to Jesus Christ. As a result of this message going out. I'm not going to harp on this too much. But I just want you to see for just a minute. That the most important thing here. There's, there, there's <laughs> this message and the word are the most important things in this passage aren't they? There was discord. But the apostle said what's the most important thing? The word. Devoting ourselves to the word and to teaching. That's the most important thing. And then we see at the end of the passage, what's the most important thing? God's message continuing to spread. The number of believers increasing. Even Jewish priests coming to faith in Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing. If we don't have our priorities straight, we will become so inwardly focused that this is all we worry about. If we don't have our priorities straight then we won't be so worried about out there. We'll just be worried about in here. And as your leader, as difficult as this stuff is to say to you, we need to hear it. We need to know that that is what we've got to wage war against. We've got to know that this is what we're inclined to do if we don't pay attention. If we don't pay attention, this is exactly what will happen. Let's make sure here at Simple Church that the word is most important and that the message going out is what we focus on. Maybe so far in 2017, that hasn't been your focus. Maybe so far the past 40 years of your life, that hasn't been the focus. You go to church so that you can get what you want to get. And every once in a while, you may tell somebody that you go to church. Very rarely do you ever share Jesus with them, but you will tell them that you go to church. Maybe that's the condition that you're in right now. I ask that you repent of that and come to Jesus. Fall on your face before God and say, God, I haven't done what you've called me to do. And I see that now and I see it clearly because you have spoken to me. And I am asking for your forgiveness. It's all about renewal, right? So every single year we go, man, I'm putting that year behind me. I'm, I'm going on to the next year. 
2018, man, it's coming at midnight, and I'm excited about it. Well, maybe there's some stuff that we need to leave behind in 2017. Maybe there's a way of thinking that we need to say, I'm done with that way of thinking. I'm ready for a new way of thinking. Maybe that's what needs to happen today. Maybe there needs to be a time of prayer, a a time of of really self-reflection so that we can start 2018 on the right foot. We're going to do that today through celebrating of the Lord's Supper, and there's, there's some things you need to know about it. We read in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Brett's going to have it up on the screen for us here. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to do as they did in the early church. They did this on the first day of the week. And they got together and they would share in the Lord's Supper And they even had to have people that were responsible for organizing this, homes where they could meet in to do this. You know who set that up? You know who organized that? You know who took responsibility for that? The believers. The believers said, it's our responsibility to do this. We'll organize it. We'll make sure that it happens. So that's what they did. If your heart is not in the right place, let me discourage you from taking the Lord's Supper today. going to read to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You see, I want you to know something. In the church of Corinth, they were having issues around the Lord's Supper. People taking the Lord's Supper with the wrong mentality, the wrong heart. They even had people that would come in because they're hungry. They would eat everything up and then they wouldn't share with anybody else. Or they would drink all the wine and get drunk off the wine for the Lord's Supper. I mean, that's how messed up their idea was about the Lord's Supper. For them, it was just a time to to eat all they could eat and drink all they could drink. And Paul has to call them out on it. He tells them, man, you have gotten it all wrong. What is wrong with you? You're doing it the wrong way. Your heart is not right when you're taking the Lord's Supper. Let me discourage you from taking the Lord's Supper today if your heart is not right. We're going to have a time when you can come and pray and say, God, forgive me. I've got the wrong heart, the wrong mentality. I've been thinking the wrong things. Give me a chance, God. I ask you to forgive me. This is what 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 says. For I pass on to you what I have received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the word unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat or drink, if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. Remember when we were talking about Ananias and Sapphira and how serious it was when they 
lied to the Holy Spirit when they rejected the truth and they were hypocrites and they showed something outwardly, but instead there was something inwardly going on. They said that they had given all the money they got for the land and and in reality they held some back for themselves and they were hypocrites and what happened? They died as a result. They died as a result right there at the altar. Peter said, you didn't lie to us, you lied to the Holy Spirit and they dropped dead. Paul says, if you do this with the wrong heart, be aware that you may be Casting judgment, the Lord's judgment upon yourself by doing it the wrong way. Because you are announcing what the Lord has done. You are announcing the Lord's death every single time you do this. So what does he say in there? He says the stuff that Christ died for, you need to let that die before you come and celebrate his death. You need to ask God to forgive you of that stuff, get it away from you, say, God, I repent of that, and I just want to come to you with a pure and clean heart, and I just want to do that right now. And that's what you should do prior to announcing the Lord's death through taking of the Lord's Supper. Paul says, it's so serious. It's so serious. Some of you have done it the wrong way for so long. That's why you're weak or sick, or some of you have even died as a result. You say, Kenny, is it that serious? It's always that serious. It's always that serious. Is God going to strike me dead if I take it with the wrong heart? I don't know the answer to that. The Holy Spirit does. I don't know the answer to that. What I am saying this, the Lord's Supper is serious. The time we have to come and repent is serious. So this time right now, During this song, we're going to pass out the Lord's Supper. That's what we're going to do during this time. And we're also going to have a time when you can come to this altar and you can pray and get your heart right. What I'm going to ask you to do is if if you do come and you're in prayer, you say, well, I'm not going to get a cup. I'm not going to get a a drink and and the bread. We're going to have, I'm going to ask ask, uh, Shane and Brian, if you'll come here and grab these two buckets here. And anybody that comes to the altar that... um, If they need to get a cup, they can do that at the altar. You're not going to miss out because you're down here at the altar. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to pass out the Lord's Supper at this time. We're also going to repent at this time and get our our hearts and our minds right before we take this Lord's Supper. Let me pray. Father, I know that today may have sounded hard and it may have sounded difficult. But Lord Jesus, I know that it is for a purpose. God, every single time you call us to repentance, God, it cuts like a knife and it cuts us deep. God, but we need to hear it. God, we cannot be aware of the fact that we need to repent unless we are aware of how we have done wrong. So God, I praise your name for this precious word that convicts us. God, but I also praise your name for this precious word that shows us your grace and shows us how you are willing to forgive. So may we be people that repent and may we be people that believe in your forgiveness and in your grace. God, right now, I pray that people would come to this altar. They would repent. They would get their hearts right so they might be able to take this Lord's Supper worthily. It's in your name that we pray, the precious name of Jesus Christ, the name above every other name. It's in his name that we do pray. Amen. Would everyone stand?